it's time for the guy who always gets you to the ball game on time. And here's the pitch. It's Matt Wyatt with all the good stuff you need to know. Here we go. And just like that, back with you live on the radio and live online on the live stream. Live, live, live. And we're live on this Wednesday. Welcome in. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance. Go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Your hometown heroes, that's your local Farm Bureau insurance agents. What is up? Everybody, get your uh, comments on in here. You can drop a comment on the live stream. If you're watching there, just type it in and hit it, post it right here on the live stream. And uh, I'll bring it in on the show right here as a part of the Murray West live thread. Yep, MW. See my hat? MW. I got my hat dirty. You just have to forgive me for that. But some people think that that stands for Matt Wyatt MW, but it's actually Murray West. But I don't, I don't, it, I wish I'd thought of it first. I really do. But anyway, drop a comment on the live stream. Also, shoot me a text today on the country pleasing text line. I'll give you those numbers coming up to text and call the Divinity phone, all that coming up. I have a question for you. We'll get around to this. What is the most interesting storyline in Mississippi college football? After two weeks of the season. What would you say is the most interesting storyline? What is that? Let me know. Feel free to just drop it in the comments section right there on the live stream. Or you can text it to me or call and talk to me about it. That'd be great. Call me on the Divini phone. The number to call 995-1059. It's a 601 number. 995-1059. Nine. That's the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment, Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. The oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S., in fact, means they've been doing it better, longer than anyone else right here at home at Divinity. If you call me on that number, the first person you get to talk to is Beaver, which is a real treat. I'm going to prove it. Hey, B. Hey, Matt Wyatt. So, uh, you don't have to weigh in. But what do you think is the most interesting storyline in Mississippi college football after two weeks? Mississippi. Yeah. So just around here. I, you know what? I don't know because I haven't really thought anything was yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> see. I guess we're still waiting to fully see that. New offense at Mississippi State. We're still waiting for the result on. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say Bar Brady, but that's the cop from South Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Barbe. Well, see, I have a theory. I think if you were to ask, let's just say if you asked a hundred people, Beaver, I would say that more than half of them would say something kind of like what you said, which is. Hey, I know it's been two weeks, but there's really nothing that jumps out at you. You said there's nothing anything I would you know really classify as interesting, <laughs> right? I mean, when you think about it, okay, let's just go Ole Miss. You know, they mopped the floor with Mercer. We could have told you the score before that one happened, right? And then 
They did beat Tulane in a pretty competitive game, but they're supposed to. They're two and zero. Now they they do have the the issue of, you know, they're two games into the season and the all world running back really hasn't gone off yet. He's just kind of there, but you know, again, sort of ho hum. Then you look at State. Yeah, transition. Everybody, I think, in reality, thought you know it may take you a few snaps. A game or two, you start to get your legs on and figure out who you are, but that's what happens when you make a transition on offense. But State's 2-0. and They had a more competitive game with Arizona. Everybody kind of thought they would. They're 2-0. and I mean, you do have the thing of they didn't throw it that much. They haven't thrown it as much as you thought they would, even with the change, but still, it doesn't just necessarily jump off the page. And then you look at Southern Miss. They, they whip up on Alcorn in week one and go get um, mopped up by Florida State in week two, which is pretty much what everybody thought. So I am interested in it after two weeks. I, I'm i sort of, I'm like y'all, I'm like diehard, I'm into it. I, we can go for an hour talking about offensive schemes, or we can go for an hour talking about running backs and offensive line blocking. But I would say that doesn't make us, you know, mainstream. We're sort of guru in that regard. So, to this point after two weeks, that's why I'm asking the question is, you know, am I missing something or are we still waiting for what the major storylines are to this point? That's that's all. That's all I'm asking. So let me know what y'all think. Uh, text me. Here's some texts on the country-pleasing text line. 885-3776. Country-pleasing sausage on grocery store shelves all around the southeast. State grad 98 now, he texted me earlier, and he said, I know when we were at State and we had football, baseball, men's, women's basketball, baseball, volleyball, tennis, and golf, what other varsity sports did we play during your tenure? That, I think you pretty much got it. You know, you didn't say track and field, but that's that's it. You pretty much nailed all of them. But then he said the most interesting storyline is when will the playbook open up for State? Now, now State grad, I'm. this is not me going fly in the ointment on you pouring water on any sort of idea. That's not what I'm doing. Uh, maybe it's as much as anything else devil's advocate raising a question here. But you have the, the after two games, you have the number one rusher in the SEC. Okay, after two games, and that's Woody Marks. So when you say the playbook, <laughs> and I mean, you haven't thrown it much, but you've thrown several touchdowns. You know, and a bunch have gone actually for touchdowns considering like the touchdown pass to passing attempt ratio is better at state than anywhere else in the SEC. And you have the number one rusher in the SEC. Now, again, all I'm doing is bringing those things up to go, maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a different way to word what we're saying there. I get what you're saying. We know the context. You said, when is state going to open up the playbook? But... I'm going, they have not thrown it much, but they've had several go for touchdowns. And so, so the touchdown to attempt ratio is really good at state. And they have the number one rusher after two games in the SEC. So, I mean, what is it, what is it they, they do? I'm not saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> one of those stupid things. Um, yeah, patches. I was talking about um, 
you know, pretty much Mississippi. But you said regarding the SEC, the SEC out of conference record, right? Sub five hundred, getting whipped by some in some of the, in some of these non conference games early in the year for the league as a whole, which is an interesting storyline for sure. Uh, three hump camel, what a name! He texts the show says Fox and Cowherd say that Colorado versus Nebraska edged Alabama and Texas in the ratings. But he, excuse me, but ESPN says Alabama and Texas had slightly higher ratings. Which one is it? <laughs> That's a good question. And then he says, "Are they just making up TV ratings?" Well, uh, that's a good question. Here's what I wonder. Now, now, Three Hump Camel, this is just strictly the first thing off the top of my head that I wonder when I see your text. ESPN also has the streaming audience that they can factor in. Like, if people who watched that same Alabama and Texas game, but they watched it on ESPN Plus streaming it on their phone or something like that. You know, it's possible that Fox doesn't consider, maybe they're just doing linear television because Fox doesn't have a, they're not streaming their game on a, on an app like ESPN is. So maybe, maybe Fox was comparing strictly television viewers to TV viewers. I, I don't know that, but that's just one question I have to ask on that. Here's what they're counting, Matt White. All right. Tell me this story because I need to know. I don't, I don't know this stuff. So, the reports I saw, and this is from places like The Athletic, Yahoo, so this isn't from Fox or ESPN. Okay. So they were saying Texas Alabama had 8.76, Colorado had 8.73. So just barely, not anything to make a difference. Mm-hmm. But, but the thing about ESPN is that's counting between. ESPN and ESPN2 because they had that dumb Pat McAfee simulcast on ESPN2. So they edged them out, but they also had it on two channels as compared to Fox's one. Okay. So who knows? Who knows? Well, but Beaver, think about this also when you're weighing those two numbers. So, again, if you stop at the 10th, they're the same, 8.7 to 8.7. And think about this. Fox broadcast that game at noon. Like the straight up, the first game right coming right out of there, what is their game day show, which is Fox, whatever they call it. I don't know. Okay. Alabama and Texas in prime time at 6 p.m. at night. There is a difference in those two slots from a rating standpoint generally. So the Colorado game was at noon, middle of the day, which is not – a huge ratings deal compared to putting stuff at prime time at six, like Alabama, Texas. And then the other thing, Beaver, is let's back up a second and go, I don't care who's playing or coaching. Colorado versus Nebraska should never be in the same ballpark as Alabama versus Texas in terms of a football rating. Can we agree with that? Yep. So this is that's a humongous win for Fox. And Yes, I would. You, I'll admit, most of that draw for that TV rating for Fox is the fact that it's Deion Sanders in Colorado, and they beat TCU in Week One, and Shadur Sanders, and all of that. It is no question. But 
I'm telling you, there is also an element. And what percentage it is, I don't know. But there is an element in sitting in there that is reality. And that is every sporting event that Fox puts on its channel, the way it does it, its people, its producers, the way it's designed, its camera angles, its production, its announcers, halftime show, pregame, postgame, break-ins, sideline, everything Fox does broadcasting college football is a better product than what ESPN does. It's better. ESPN at this point ought to stop, you know, let go of your pride and just copy what they're doing. <laughs> Hire some of their people and just straight up copy them. Because Fox nails it. Like, it's so much of a better product watching a game on Fox right now versus watching one on ESPN. It is. You may disagree. I think the gap's pretty wide myself. But I digress. I haven't been using that enough here in football season. <laughs> All right. Hey to y'all on the Murray West live thread. Go to murraywest.com. Contract embroidery company right here in Mississippi, doing it the right way, doing it the best, all the way back since 1996. They are in Albany. You can check them out online, murraywest.com. Custom apparel, you need a logo on anything. That's where you go for it. All right, uh, on the Murray West live thread, Chuck, he gave me a shout-out and a good afternoon from the hometown, Prattville, Alabama, and to Hale State as well. Will wished us a happy hump day. And then he said the jury is still out on the offense. And that would be talking about State's offense. He said, I think maybe that's the biggest thing in Mississippi. Ole Miss is basically the same as last year. Jackson State's still good, but they don't have Dion anymore. And Southern Miss is still rebuilding. And so he thinks Ole Miss is the same, but maybe the biggest storyline so far, State's new offense and whether you approve or not and, and the few pass attempts. Sven on the Murray West live thread says, Biggest storyline, Woody is the leading rusher in the SEC, and Will Rogers is ranked 117th in the nation in passing. <laughs> that, um, that is something else right there now. You talk about a turnabout. Yeah, we, did, we didn't see that coming, did we? Uh, Ralph hit us up on Facebook and said, Hey, Matt, Hale State. He said that he's hoping that uh, State is a work in progress and will continue to improve week after week. And they better be. You know, they better continue to improve. They get starting this week. I mean, it's a whole different kind of challenge with LSU coming in there with their athletes and they're good and mad and they've already lost a game and they can't afford to start one and two or a whole bunch of them are going to have to turn their keys back in. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the house keys. <laughs> I'm just calling it like it is, man. Saying it like it is. Uh, PT for MSU says, as far as storylines in Mississippi after two weeks, State's offensive schemes, number one, and Ole Miss's line play are what I think are the two biggest topics. You know, and look, I kind of felt the same way about Ole Miss's run game, right? I didn't really see them against Mercer. You don't have to. I'm not sure you could learn a lot about watching somebody against that type of opponent. You know, you, you learn a little new players, whatever, but in terms of how it's going to translate against a better team, you don't know. And so they run up against Tulane in week two. And when we were previewing the game, I'm just looking at it going, you know, Judkins really didn't even do much in the first game against Mercer, had really light work. And I would think against, you know, a slightly undersized defensive front at Tulane compared to the ones you're going to play 
in the SEC at places like when you play Arkansas and when you play LSU and you play Alabama and you play Georgia, the size of defense, Kentucky even, the size of defensive fronts you're going to see, Tulane seemed, anyway, looking at them, I didn't look up the chart, a little undersized as compared to what you're going to see. So I thought, well, they're going to go in and turn Judkins loose and block like crazy and run it down their throat, but they did anything but that because it didn't look like they could. O-line kind of struggling. So, yeah, the lag, Just it's just two games, but the lack of sort of production and numbers for Judkins in their run game I think is a, a storyline at this point. I talked to someone yesterday who follows Ole Miss, and he said his impression was that there was a whole lot of you know, Judkins looks kind of tentative like he's trying to see where he's going first instead of like just running like bull in a china shot like he used to do. So I don't know. I, that's just one person's opinion on that. Tyler texts the show, Country Pleasing Text, his most interesting topic. MSU fans calling for Mr. Wright, even though they're 2-0 and and have the best statistical quarterback in the history, <laughs> in their history. They've got Rogers fatigue, according to Tyler Durden. And I'll say this, Tyler, I think every fan base goes through some of that. Uh, you know, there's a portion of every fan base that, you know, whoever the starting quarterback is, the expectation is high enough that if they aren't perfect, we hate them, right? But State has its fair share of that over the years, for sure. Uh, Tyga texts the show. And he kind of he had two texts here sort of back-to-back. He's an LSU fan. He said, good afternoon, Mr. Wyatt. I'm excited for the game on Saturday. Look forward to see what kind of progress LSU has made since playing Florida State. He says, in my opinion, State will have to throw the ball more than they have in the previous weeks to win. I think that's obvious, he says. He says, I think LSU's weakness is in the secondary, and State are going to have to test it earlier and often, early and often if they want a chance. And then he says, what do you think LSU will need to do to win? Well, I uh, agree with that. I, I agree with the deal that to win this game, State is going to have to throw the ball a little more than it has, um, maybe even a little more explosively than it has to win the game. That's how I feel about it. And, you know, you just got to have it built in there, and when you get those opportunities, you're going to have to hit them. You can't miss them. You're asking me what does LSU have to do to win, and I think the biggest thing on the road is – you go on the road in the SEC, is you, if you're LSU, they have to win the line of scrimmage. That's sort of state's key. If you disrupt their run game and chase their quarterback around, even though he's a great runner and it's going to make their plays, it's kind of like last week. You get them off schedule enough, even a fast guy is going to turn it over some and make some bad throws. Well, that would be the same thing this week. So their offensive line winning the line of scrimmage, defensive front winning the line of scrimmage, taking a ball away from Woody Marks, all that kind of stuff, those are the keys for LSU. If you ask me, Nick texts the show. He said Judkins with barely over 100 yards rushing total and Rodgers with barely 300 versus the opponents they play would be the two interesting storylines. Seems that keeps coming up. That seems to be the answer and the theme. That after two weeks, those are your interesting storylines. Not necessarily positive ones either way, but puzzling ones both sides. See, here's another one. Worded differently. Somebody says, why can't Ole Miss run the ball? Why can't State throw it? <laughs> That's true. Patrick, t- 
texts the show. He says, correct me if I'm wrong. During a game, if a player goes down for a so-called injury, is that team charged a timeout? No. I don't think that's the case. I don't think you can have an official's timeout for an injury on the field that's not necessarily charged to the team. I, I believe, right? The deal is, Patrick, if you want, if you know, if if you've got an injury, that player can't stay in the game. He's got to come out for at least one play. And so, if you want him back in the game, you have to burn a timeout to get him back in there. That's my understanding of it. Uh, somebody texts and said, um, I have a buddy who went to App State and so watched their games. And he says that this is not Barbe's whole playbook. Okay. Um, somebody said the most interesting story will come Saturday 24 to 17. Pups, write it down. Got State winning 24 to 17. Hey, look at here. I got a text from Hog Jowl with a video. This is really cool. He's watching the Hummingbirds and listening to our show. Go Hogs, beat BYU. Got an interesting matchup this weekend between those two. But he sent us a video and all those Hummingbird feeders and Hummingbirds just all over the place. That is really cool, Hog Jow. Thanks for sending that along. All right, we're just getting started, as you can tell. Lots of texts, comments, and everything to get to. All of that coming up. Stick around. with you drop a comment over here on the murray west live thread and check it out let's see what we got here what do we got jimmy what jimmy say he said part of that rating was espn was not on spectrum cable yeah that's true now they did have a dispute with some big cable company right they sure did so some people didn't say i thought jimmy i guess i'm wrong i thought that they got it squared away but it might have been like sunday or monday when they Finally ended that dispute. Um, Will. And I don't know, Will. I'm. Oh, let me back up here. Let me back up. This is a two-part comment from Will on the Murray West live thread. Go to murraywest.com. It's M-U-R-R-Y. Murraywest.com. Contract embroidery. Custom apparel. Right here in Mississippi since 1996. Doing the best job. You see... Pretty much any high school you see out there, they got something wearing a shirt with the logo embroidered, a hat. It's probably where it came from. Old Miss Athletics, Genteel, and they can help you as well. Anything you have that you need, uh, that logo you know, for your organization, your business, your company, your brand, your school, whatever it is, go there. MurrayWest.com. The Murray West Live thread. Will says, I've heard nothing positive about the McAfee simulcast. I don't hate McAfee, so I'm at Pat McAfee, but respectfully, I don't think he's a good fit for college football. 
He's more in tune with the NFL. And when he talks college, he says he clearly doesn't really know what he's talking about and is just parroting media opinions without any real insight. I wish we had Spurrier on game day over him. That's Will's comment on the live thread. Get him on in here. Drop a comment. You can text me on the Country Please and text line also. 885-3776. That's Country Pleasing Sausage, made right here in Mississippi. Country Meat Packers on Highway 49 in Florence. Or give me a call on the Divinity phone, 995-1059. That's a 601 number. Love to hear your voice. 995-1059. A few other comments on the live thread. Debbie's on Facebook, gave us a hail state. We're back at you. Brad commented on Facebook, said that they say Fox's game day show is better than ESPN, and it is. I don't, I can't think of what they call it. <laughs> what is it, Fox it's, uh, College Football Morning or whatever? I don't know, but it is better. It's a better show. Again, just one man's opinion. Larry commented here on uh, YouTube and said, Ole Miss the same. Judkins only has... 108 in total yards rushing in two games. Yeah, it was somebody earlier that said, you know, Ole Miss is the same as they were last year, but he's saying they're not uh, for that reason. And and many have pointed that out, that really, certainly, if you're looking for a storyline at Ole Miss, that would be uh, a big one right there. Uh, Aaron says on Facebook, SEC Nation needs to bring you on the show this weekend. Well, I appreciate that, Aaron. Yeah, I, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it's happening. Hadn't heard from anybody. Um, let's see. Ricky gave us a hail state on Facebook and he gave us a greeting from Lawrenceville, Georgia. He said, I'm not sure if you addressed this question. What sort of wizardry is keeping that helmet, that tiny helmet floating and spinning in your office right there? Okay. So if you're on the live stream, you can see it. That came from, uh, something called hover helmets and it is magnets you got to get it balanced just right, and then it'll just spin and spin and spin. It's an electric magnet, one underneath, one on top, and it suspends it in midair. But I will say, like, when the power goes off, I can always tell if I get back here and the power has blinked because it'll be stuck to the top. When the power blinks, it just sticks to the magnet. But that's what it is. It used to be a company called Hover Helmets. I don't, I don't know if they still exist or not. Maybe they do. Uh, you, could, you could look for that. Okay, Jimmy, I couldn't remember the name of the Fox their version of a game day show. It's called Big Noon Kickoff is the Fox show. Big Noon Kickoff, yeah. It is a it's a better show if you watch it. If you're like if you're more into just less shenanigans, you know, like trying really hard to be entertaining, which the the game day thing does, the Fox deal is more just guys sitting around talking football, having a good time. It seems a little bit more genuine, a little bit anyway. And I think that's why it appeals to some people more than others. This one is opinion. All right, now, I'm going to read this text, and then I'm going to raise a question for you. On the country-pleasing text line, Rebel Greg says, this is Rebel Greg, a text from Rebel Greg. The offensive line of Ole Miss is sabotaging the run game on purpose. There are some mad linemen over the NIL deal Judkins got compared to the rest of the team. Now, I will say, Greg did sign that with the word ha. 
So you may be just joking, right, Gray? <laughs> you know, let's just say, let's hope that that's not the truth, right? But he did say, ha, and then he said, that's something to think about. So there's that. Now, here's another question not related to that. It's another thing I thought of. So did you did y'all hear what happened this weekend? Did you happen to hear that Alabama lost to Texas? Okay, I'm being sarcastic, obviously. So Alabama loses to Texas. Second game of the season for, well, for everybody, but second game as the full-time starter at quarterback for Jalen Milrow. And, you know, I haven't gotten to listen yet to Beavers and uh, Jake's show in the afternoon. Notice what I did there. It's both of them, not just one guy. I haven't gotten to listen to their show in the afternoon yet, I, so I don't know if there's been a lot of talk, positive or negative, about Jalen Milrow and Alabama's offense and all this kind of stuff. But he's basically getting started in his first year as the starting quarterback. Dual threat, very mobile guy, all that. And they lose at home to Texas in a 10-point game. And... I saw something earlier today where someone, I think it might have been on Facebook, where someone was going, hey, look, if you're already writing off Alabama right now, then, hey, just beware because that'll bite, that's going to bite you later in the year. They may, they may wind up in Atlanta out of the West anyway. May wind up being really good anyway. Okay, well... I started thinking about last year's LSU team. Because I've been studying LSU and the story was front of mind. I thought, well, you know, you think about it. Last season, the LSU lost their first game. Now, it was a neutral site deal. It was in New Orleans. But lost their first game to Florida State with a brand-new starting quarterback and a brand-new offense. They lost that first game. Daniels struggled a little bit to know like how to stand in there and win from the pocket throwing a ball, and he would take off and run, it seemed like, too quickly and some of those things. And so their offense didn't seem to have a, a ton of identity and, like, they weren't a machine at all for LSU in that first game last year, and they lost it. And I started wondering, I wonder if there's some similarities. Last year's LSU team lose an early game. This year's Alabama team lose an early game. What are the similarities? See if you, you know, can go along with this line of thinking. The similarities are this year's Alabama team has a new starting quarterback who is a dual threat and a very good runner, so much so that his reputation kind of precedes him as a fast guy who's got to learn more and more each week about, you know, how to complete passes and be a pocket guy when he, when he has to. New offensive coordinator along with that quarterback. You know, the first couple of weeks of the season, playing a top defense and a ranked upon a really good team who beat you. So there's the similarities because the same thing happened to LSU last year. For LSU, it was the first game. This year for Bama, it's the second game. But similar aspects of the quarterback, similar aspects in over, you know, change of the offensive staff and the offense and coaching staff and stuff. Similar opponent early, and you lost them. And so then I thought, I'm going to look a little closer. I'm going to look at that first game last year for Jaden Daniels 
versus this loss early for Milrow. And, you know, it's comparable. It's not the same, but it's comparable. Here's what I mean by that. Last season, that early loss for LSU, Jaden Daniels completed like 70% of his throws in the game. They just didn't go for many yards. So they, they lacked the big plays. But in that game last year against Florida State, Daniels went 25 of 34, 209 yards. So 25 completions, they only go for 209 yards. But he did have two touchdowns, and he did not turn it over. He also was the team's leading rusher in that game. 16 carries, 114 yards, in a one-point loss to Florida State. That was the first game last year, 24-23. So what about Alabama this year? Same as LSU last year. First-year starting quarterback, new offense, top opponent. Instead of week one, it's week two. But you look at the numbers for Milrow the other night. Like Daniels last year, he had two touchdown passes. He had more yards, though, 255 yards on just 14 completions. So he was only a little better than 50% completions. And the biggest difference in their games in those early season losses was last year there were no explosive pass plays for Jaden Daniels in that first game. The longest pass he completed in that loss to Florida State last year was 22 yards. The other night, Milrow had a 49, a 39, a 34, had several explosives. Another difference, though, is Milrow turned it over two times. I see some similarities. And there is no question that this Alabama team could turn it on and go win the division just like last year's LSU team did. Let me know what you think about that. Comments, opinions, otherwise, here in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stick around. Hey, whether it's about winning the game... Or even losing the game. You're going to hear about them all and get to talk about it with Matt Wyatt right here, right now. All right. Back with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau. On that previous subject there, I just raised the idea. I'm just trying to look and see are there any similarities. You know, LSU suffered an early loss last year and then played themselves right on into the SEC title game. They beat Alabama. And before the end of the year, uh, Jaden Daniels looked great. Isn't that his name? Jaden Daniels? Yeah, that's his name. And then um, now you flip it to this year, you got here's Alabama. New offense, new quarterback, early loss to Texas at home. Everybody's saying there's issues. They certainly have a chance to play themselves right into Atlanta, and they may wind up doing that. Now, I could certainly see some, um, you know, similarities. Jimmy commented on the Murray West live thread and said, throwing two interceptions isn't the end of the world, but the two that Milrow threw were just really, really bad decisions. And, yeah, you know, I would agree with that, Jimmy. They weren't like tip balls or contested. It was almost like not seeing certain defenders, right? And, and, and I think both were an element of kind of locking in, looking at a guy, and you're more looking at a receiver than watching defenders. And that's sort of the breakdown. It might be oversimplifying it, Jimmy, but in my experience, as a quarterback, you kind of protect the ball better when you know your reads are based on where defenders are or aren't, and you're just trusting where your guys are or where they're going to be. When you get to a point where you're sort of in survival mode just looking for your guys – you're looking through defenders and not seeing defenders, and sometimes you throw it right to them. And that's usually a sign that in 
in my head, I'm really getting sped up. Things are happening a little faster than I want them to. That's usually what that means. Uh, Tyga, who's an LSU fan, said interesting comparison there. He said, I agree with most of what you said. He said, the main differences in the two teams is Bama has Saban and a well-built roster, which is very true. And he said, last year, LSU had Brian Kelly in his first year with a huge roster questions, patchwork team through the portal. He said, so logic would tell you that Bama has a better chance this year than LSU had last year to win the West. And that's right, and then LSU did it. You know, in, in large part because of they came from behind against State, you know, and, and really outplayed them in the final three quarters, very much outplayed them in the final three quarters of that one, made sure they won that home game, and then they clipped Alabama late in the year, took care of business with everybody else. Jared pointing out on Facebook on the Murray West live thread, LSU whooped Ole Miss, but the rest of their games were close and some games that could have gone either way. Well, they did get behind the State. State was up either 13 nothing or 16 I think it was 16 to nothing, wasn't it? And then LSU outscored them like 30 to 2 or something <laughs> the rest of the way. It was uh, they turned it on. That was kind of a whipping before it was all said and done. Uh, Patches text the show. He said Matt Milrow and Anthony Richardson are mirror images of each other, especially on the college level. Both are superb athletes but have no business playing quarterback in the SEC. This is according to Patches of Hulan. He said, if Bama wants to compete for a title, they're going to have to switch to one of the other two quarterbacks they have and use Milrow in another role. That's Patch's opinion. Patches, I actually disagree with that. You know, I, I, To say that neither Milrow nor Richardson have any business playing quarterback at the college level, that doesn't jihad with me. I, I don't believe that. Especially when you see a guy like Richardson go get drafted in the top five picks, and then not just get drafted, but he has secured a starting job on an NFL team as a rookie, and the team even named him a captain. And when I watch you know, Milrow hit some of these bombs, including what he hit against Texas, and some of the third-down conversions with his arm against Texas, it's clear why he has won the starting job at Alabama. Then it's just about you know, shaping this package of ability and getting it mentally and everything else into the wound in this really tight little ball that can just go out and execute everything all the time. And that's what you got to get it to. So that's my opinion on it. All right. Listen, hey, real quick, real quick. I'm flipping the page over here for a second. Thanks for your input on that, by the way. Everybody, texts and comments. I love hearing all that. And, and we don't have to agree. It's actually sometimes better when we don't agree. Real quick, though, we're going to play a game with – with Beaver real quick. Hey, B. Game. You ready? Love games. Yep. <laughs> the man loves games. All right. So here's the game. I'm going to give you a TV show nugget. And the game is you have to decide overrated or underrated TV show. First up, if I had like the game show music in the background. I'd play it, but I don't have it. All right, first up in our game of overrated or underrated. On this day in 1996, September 13th, 1996, CBS began airing this TV show.
Everybody loves Raymond. So, Beaver, you're up. Overrated or underrated? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's kind of tough. I never watched a ton of it. The little bit that I saw, there were some funny moments, but I never got into Ray Romano, so I'll go overrated. Okay. All right. You heard it, folks. Everybody loves Raymond. Overrated. Had a long run. Hey, one day, Beaver, I'm going to have to get Anna Beth on here to tell you the story of how she met most of the cast of that show once at an event in Mississippi. Um, uh, Sam Haskell used to do, he maybe still does it, the Stars Over Mississippi event in his hometown of Amory. And back when, and the show was really popular, this was early 2000s, and she was you know, local television anchor, and they went and covered it, and she was doing some hosting things, and they had a stage. And so they had all these people from Everybody Loves Raymond's there, and she had interactions with them one-on-one and stuff, and she's got some funny stories about it, including Brad Garrett, who, who played the big tall brother in the show, who... He wasn't hitting on her, but he was pretending as if he was. <laughs> and there was a funny exchange. And we had to, I'll get her to tell you all about that. All right, here's the next one, Beaver. Here's the next one, overrated or underrated. Three years before that, on this day, September 13th, 1993, NBC premiered this show. NBC Studios in New York, it's Late Night with Conan O'Brien. Late Night with Conan O'Brien premiered on this day in 93. Overrated or underrated, Beaver? Underrated. I loved that team, (laughs) mid-90s, Conan O'Brien and Andy Richter. Beaver, does it not give you almost goosebumps to think about how good it was in the 90s late-night television? Yeah. I mean... Conan O'Brien! <laughs> and Andy Richter, help me out, Beaver. You had, so, like, when this show came on in 93, you'd have had, you'd have had Jay Leno in The Tonight Show, followed by Conan O'Brien late night after that. And at the same time, you'd have had David Letterman on, what, CBS? Mm-hmm. I think that's right. And maybe, was there somebody, did, did CBS have a late night, uh, like, counterpart or opponent to Conan? Or did Conan have that late, late slot all to himself? I can't remember. I actually can't remember way back then. Well, and I mean, had... you were always, everybody watched Conan. If they ever tried anything, nobody watched the other show. Because, to your point, everybody watched Conan. And then the whole thing happened later on when Jay was leaving and in comes Conan and it didn't work and they fired him and Jay came back and, you know, that whole thing. But I'm like you, Beaver. Okay, and, and here's another thing, Beaver. Okay, so I'm even older than you. That was during a time when I could stay awake. Late <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know what you speak of. <laughs> late enough to watch it. I'm not kidding you, Beaver. Even in the middle of the day and there's a football game on, I have to stand up. I stand up for two hours on this radio show. If I sit still for any amount of time, I will fall asleep. And, you know, but back then in 93, I could have stayed up. All right, so there you have it. We'll play that game again later in the show. Beaver has weighed in. Everybody Loves Raymond premiered on this day, 96. Overrated. 
Conan O'Brien, late night with Conan O'Brien, premiered three years earlier on this day, 93. Underrated. But then when I think back, God, if I may think back, I'm not so sure because, like I said, I never watched a ton of Everybody Loves Raymond, but I've always liked Brad Garrett. I can't remember the names of his parents, but his dad was funny. That's <laughs> great. And his mom, am I remembering she was, what was her name? Uh, I, can't, I don't know if I'm mixing up this actress, because I've always, always liked her. She was in Grandma's Boy, and she was funny. Right. So, I guess every it's one of those where all the surrounding people, I was never a huge Ray Romano fan, but uh -huh. everyone else in the show I thought was funny from the times I saw it. Right. So, I don't know if I can really give underrated or overrated now <laughs> to think about it. Okay, so the mom, played by Doris Roberts, she was Marie, Marie Barone. And then the dad, played by Peter uh, Boyle, was Frank Barone. So Marie and Frank were the parents who lived across the street, you know? And you're right, Beaver. They kind of stole the show, didn't they, <laughs> for the most part? Mm -hmm. They were great. And both of those, have, those individuals, those actors, have, have passed on since the show went off the air. But they were great. Uh, we'll do that again at some point here at Hour 2, which starts in just a few minutes from now. So you ought to stick around with us here in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stick around.